Welcome to issue number three of the Infinite Backlog, a chronological tour of Marvel Comics. I'm the unbeatable Andy, and with me are my two co-hosts, the irredeemable Shane. I can't come back from that. <laughs> and old man Rory. Oh, hey. It's just me, the old man. <laughs> and today, we are reading a selection of comics from February through July of 1964. The Beatles, Jimmy Hoffa, the Civil Rights Act, and other things I looked up on the Wikipedia article for 1964. <laughs> and the stories we read today followed Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, and Iron Man. Somebody get me into it. The art in Daredevil is an extreme cut above the rest of everything else we've seen. Yeah, it it's not even just the art. Everything in that one Daredevil, because we read Daredevil issue one. But it's Stanley's writing. I, I I wouldn't call the writing significantly above the rest, but it's it's fine. It's good. Mm, I liked I it. I beg to disagree. I beg to disagree. <laughs> I beg to differ. <laughs> okay. I beg to disagree. <laughs> I would like to disagree uh, <laughs> with you, Roy. <laughs> there is an entire page dedicated to how his senses work. Yeah, so <laughs> tell me that's, that's not good. That's writing. not good writing. That's not. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I've been thoroughly <laughs> razzed by my two friends. <laughs> no, no. Look, the writing is what you expect, but the art is out of the... Well, like, comparatively, it's just so much better. Well, okay. I think generally the most fun that I'm having week to week right now is in Spider-Man. But sure. what was nice about Daredevil is that it felt like there was, like, dynamic sort of interesting human stakes going on uh -huh, uh, yes. in this origin story in a way that Spider-Man sort of flirts with from time to time, but yes. kind of doesn't touch most of it, like right now. You know what I mean? So I, I think this is probably a joke that has floated around about uh, Foggy and Matt, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the, the will they, won't they of it all. But uh, going back to now, this is the, you know, the first time I've read this very first issue. There's some pretty strong Nick Carraway vibes. Now, I don't know that reference because I'm a that's, uh, uncultured swine. Uh, yeah, that's the that Great is. Gatsby. That's the, the narrator okay, for okay. Gatsby who's like clearly yeah. kind of in love with him. Yep. Didn't know the name. Yes. I read Gatsby when I was in sophomore year of high school, I want to say. So it's been a minute. But I remember liking how short it was. Does that give me points? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, this is, this is maybe inside baseball that gets cut. But I shared a random video of, of just a person making a random food from a random anime. And you immediately clocked it. And you <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> But I don't remember Gatsby. But you don't know the great Gatsby. <laughs> oh, God. You're like the well, rain man of anime. <laughs> Does but, he have but, moe eyes? I don't. I didn't think so. Andy could build a whole pull list of just anime for the Gatsby. <laughs> you could build a whole anime profile. Man, if only they made a Gatsby anime. Uh, no, so a Gatsby if, anime. If anybody's, un I know Daredevil is a little more niche. He's not. He's not as much in the cultural consciousness. So if anybody's sort of unfamiliar with Daredevil, his whole shtick is that he's a blind fighter, and he was blinded in a horrible accident. And he also has a really he's got this really interesting like family drama baked in because his dad was a fighter and he was like past his prime. But he wanted to be a, a, a role model for his kid who idolizes him. But he really wants more out of life for his kid. So he like is like, nope, you can't go into fighting like me. So you're going to study hella hard. And so Matt becomes a lawyer. And then, then there's some crazy drama where uh, where his dad's killed. It's three panels. Yeah. <laughs> In later Daredevil stuff, there is that more interesting contrast between the fact that he's a 
you know, a servant of the of the law during mm-hmm. the day and a vigilante at night. The the Stan Lee comic doesn't feel like it really gets that bifurcation. He just he basically takes on the Daredevil mantle as a way of not getting his father's his dead father's curse on him. Like if he, yeah, it's like if, he found a legal like a legal loophole in his dad's love because his dad was like, no, you can't fight people, and he's like, well, Matt Murdock can't fight people, but maybe Daredevil can, but maybe Black Blurdock can. <laughs> so I don't know. I I, I lo- there's a lot that I like about it, but you're right. The art is significantly more interesting uh, and and better. Uh, I I didn't catch who drew it. I don't know if it was. I've got it open in case it because I it's Bill Everett, uh, but I okay, didn't Bill look Everett. up if, if I didn't look up if he's like a just a hotshot who comes out of nowhere or if he's been on a different comic or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's what, if you're listening to this podcast and thinking we're going to have Marvel insider <laughs> info or context about the artists involved, you <laughs> should find a different show. We're specifically blank slates for this reason. I'm going to yes. try and clock when the writers and artists are happening, but like all of it is new to us. So, I, I, yeah, I really I really like Daredevil. Uh, we're going to be jumping back in in like uh, in the 70s when when uh, uh, Frank Miller takes over Daredevil and it gets really sure. good. But I wanted to peek at where he starts. Something Daredevil has too, uh, like f- this is, and I, this seems really early in like comic literacy is much better paneling and really interesting would, oh, dynamic yes. panels. Uh, like it's not great. just the the nine panels. It's not yeah. just nine panels. It's nine panels, sometimes... eight hundred words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking essay that they try and fit in around pictures of superheroes. No, just just wrap the words around his suit. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we can fit more words in there. <laughs> uh, one thing, one thing that before we leave Daredevil that I thought was really, really funny is, uh, you know, because he gets like into a radioactive accident when he uh, when he's blinded, and the, the the truck is this Ajax Atomic Labs radioactive materials truck. And it says all this on the front. And then in bigger words, under all of that, it says danger. And that's mm-hmm. more text than I've ever seen on the front of a vehicle in my entire life. And it's very <laughs> funny to look at. But what I also really like is this other context I have from like two decades after this. The Ninja Turtles co-opt this issue as their origin, too. Yeah. So... That's something that I really like that they did. Eastman and Laird wrote that in. So it's kind of like heavily implied that this like radioactive accident that caused Daredevil to get powers. Also, that sludge like leaked into the sewers and went onto some turtles. Well, and for those who for those who don't know, the original Ninja Turtles was kind of more of a parody than a a self uh, mm-hmm. a self-important new work, which it sort of I don't know about self-important, but it, it became less or yeah. not at all parody really at some point. Yeah, they were pretty serious and, and bloody spooky. The same story as Desperate Housewives. <laughs> right. One of my, oh, my God. Desperate Housewives my is not, not a reference I thought you would drop. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite little stories because it, it started as a parody. But then <laughs> Desperate no, every, Housewives is your favorite little story? Yeah, it was. It, it's, a, it's a fun little anecdote where somebody made a show <laughs> as, a, as a tongue-in-cheek parody of daytime soaps. And then... Yep. Everybody who watched it was just like into daytime soaps and loved it unironically. And they were like, oh, I guess I guess <laughs> well, we're a soap. It. <laughs> I, guess the, I guess the parody didn't at all work. Yeah, and they I just leaned into it. That's, and they just and they just took and they went unironic with it. They didn't get hostile. Yeah. Or like I liked Desperate Housewives for a little bit. It was a good show. Yeah. Because the first season was a parody. So it's like it's kind yeah. of for everybody. 
And then after that, mm-hmm. you have to kind of be in a soaps to to probably really <laughs> dig it. Uh, I want to shift gears to to Tales of Suspense issue fifty that we read. Oh sure. And I want to I want to you know obviously I think without even any discussion this goes on the wall of shame. A little bit though I would say aside from some pretty choice or pretty unfortunate I guess is the correct term um, caricaturization of faces. Mm-hmm. But for example, it is not written in uh, in any kind of accent. They just no. speak. They just speak yes. plainly. So uh, I think props there. They, 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 it is very plain speaking, which is nice. What I did find funny. So 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 we picked this uh, because Shane had an interest in the Mandarin. So this is a this is a uh, an Iron Man story where we introduce the very spooky Chinese villain, the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shane likes him because he had a hero click of him one time. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to come up a lot. No, this is going to come up a lot where it'll be like Shane remembers this hero click from his childhood. <laughs> and maybe the uh, the little Richard, like his his power is how many rings he's got. Oh, my God. It, I, it <laughs> is right. He has he has those 10 power rings and like. <laughs> he has his mini transistors. He also has transistors. Uh, transistors are so hot in 1964. Tran- transistors are hot. What I thought was amazing is that the Mandarin with all of his rings, he's like a weird kid with a new toy. He just wants to use it for everything because he's standing <laughs> in this like room with a couple flunkies and he's like, look at my sweet rings. And then he like uses his powers <laughs> to push buttons from five feet away. Like I can push those buttons with only my rings. Like, Dude, you can also just walk over and press a button, Mandarin. Like this is a little much. But he also so the the, the thing that I took issue with is that he's supposed to be a Chinese villain uh, that the communist government can't control, but he's a karate master. <laughs> I know, like the they karate didn't... thing is a little silly. <laughs> they didn't pick a Chinese martial art. The one he's good at is the Japanese one. <laughs> oh, they don't really know anything about Kung Fu right now. They only know karate from Japanese imperialism and, and yes. the, the fallout of that. <laughs> I don't know when, I think... Yeah, when did David Carradine Kung Fu happen? Hold on. Got it. So Kung Fu came out in 1972, uh, and Bruce Lee, I think, was snubbed for that role. Like they were looking at him for that, and they didn't do it. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. But I don't think Bruce Lee busted in until like the mid 70s. And so yeah, this is definitely before. It's funny how he's like a, this karate master or whatever, and he he just goes to chop Iron Man one time, and Iron <laughs> Man blocks it, and he hurts his wrist, and that's it's done. <laughs> Well, okay, but first, first he chops Iron Man, and Iron Man's like, "Ow!" And like somehow he, like, because he demonstrates he can karate chop iron, and he's like, "Fuck, I'm iron." Yeah, (laughs) but then he's then he's like, "Oh, fake math, transistors, and metal." Yeah, and then the next time he does the chop, somehow he's like magic. Like, I'm. The, the science of this is obviously suspect, but there is something kind of fun in like if 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 part of martial arts is this sort of concept that the whole body is one and you're all kind of everything's connected. There mm-hmm. is a sort of like reverse of that, that if you block a hit in the exact right spot, the whole body is sort of you <laughs> yeah. know, taken out. The, the, it's kid logic. It's not real, but it, it's fun a little bit. I've mathematically kind of... calculated the precise way to block your karate chop to bust your butt. To blow you up. Open. You're going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> is it true that if you shoot a guy in the right spot on the head, it'll explode? <laughs> Can can we talk, can we also talk about the the side Pepper Potts happy 
story that's kind of happening too. Man. Because it's it's so stupid, but I felt like it was such a nice little nod to to their character development where mm-hmm. he's like he's like haha you've called me to take you on a date and she's like i just want someone to buy me a free drink jesus christ <laughs> like well, yeah <laughs> she and she's clearly trying to attract tony stark's attention and happy yeah. does not i think maybe he kind of knows but he still is fully buying into the idea that him and pepper are like fully like going steady so that even later when like tony shows up at the very end he's like still like his inner monologue is like well, at least she likes guys like me instead of guys like Tony. <laughs> and you're like, dude, happy. That's not you need to read the room. She's clearly not into you. <laughs> there is there is a there's a moment of of niceness, not just like between them, but of like just the the current state of, you know, women in Marvel where she uh-huh. she's talking about how I get all dolled up and I've, I've even covered up all my freckles and Tony won't even notice me. Right. And happy is kind of yes. like, hits with that. I kind of liked him. I kind of liked him. Uh, which is about the nicest thing that anybody said about a woman in anything we've read in the mm-hmm. last three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a fun transition to Spider-Man. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Spider-Man yet. We got to get that. We got to get the wet fart out of the way. Let's say anything we want to say about Doctor Strange right now. <laughs> we read. We read a selection of these half-issue Doctor Strange stories that mostly fall flat. Uh, was anything stand out for you guys? I didn't hate the Nightmare Realm one, um, but... The Nightmare it, one was good. Nightmare's design is good. But otherwise, it's just... It's just a lot of dead... It's just a lot of dead air. Um, and they yeah. they start and end the same way. Doctor Strange is doing nothing. He turns into a ghost <laughs> for a couple pages. Fixes yeah. <laughs> some problem using magic that can't... That really has no plot or interesting factors to it. And uh-huh. then uh, he walks away into the sunset. Every Do you think... Time. Do you think, Rory, that's because it's one of those things where when you don't like understand something and you don't like fully realize an idea, but you still want to share it? Do you think that's what's going on here? Where they they haven't really given him anything where they're like, oh, he does magic. So and I don't know if we've outright stated this so far, but we're in Strange Tales, which is a sort of anthology where it's it's a it's a dual title. So most of the book is taken up by stories about the worst teen in the world, Johnny, Johnny Storm. (laughs) Uh, So stupid. And it sucks. And Johnny's terrible, at least right now. Uh, He's hot, but he's terrible. And then at least at the start, it's like, hey, you want the six pages at the end of the book? Here you go, Doctor Strange. Have six pages to do an interesting story. So there's that. This, this, the size of it is a, is a, is a limiting factor. Yeah. Um, also, I would say, I don't know when it was implemented because right now it doesn't feel like, again, some part of, part of some grand design. I know at some point Stan Lee kind of developed a sort of, you know, show Bible for all of the Marvel stuff that mm-hmm. is, part of it was kind of keeping magic different from superpowers. And I don't know right. if they've, it's possible he's developed that rule, but hasn't figured out what, <laughs> how to do magic. Then uh-huh. it's like, because superpowers are just magic, right? If we're being completely honest, it's just uh, yeah, if we're, yeah, exactly. It's just wizard stuff. You get you get Scarlet Witch on the movie in the movies next to you know the Vision, and they both do like beam powers and shit. They're both like <laughs> moving shit. It's like who fucking cares? Oh, I'm magic and I'm a robot. It doesn't matter. You're both doing beams. Like <laughs> it's it's fine. <laughs> I, a couple highlights of how, of how dumb these stories are. Uh, in one of them, Doctor Strange goes to the purple dimension. 
<laughs> and then another issue, he has to banish a house because it's alive and too spooky. I, li- I like the spooky house, though. I did. I did a, like Spooky House. But it's not as it wasn't that funny reading it. It's only like no. hearing it sort of summarized in one sentence that it's <laughs> yeah. kind of hilarious. Reading it, it was dull. I, I honestly think that it is it is terrible writing and it's so bad, but I love I love the design of the magic superpower thing. Mm. I think that is cohesive. Absolutely. And and it is in a in a sort of uh, macro sense. An interesting break from the style and uh, type of stories we're getting, you know, throughout the week. It's like, it provides a neat little counterbalance. It just also kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah. And and in in, in sort of direct contrast to how we're talking about this right now and, and our sort of judgments on Doctor Strange, then you have these fucking Stan Lee intros or outros that hype it so hard. I'm going to read this to you guys. Yes, 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 yes. Hark to these words, loyal reader. One day, many years hence, you will proudly relate these Doctor Strange tales to a new generation. A generation which will envy the fact that you were privileged enough to have read the earliest of these trend-setting tales. You know, honestly, that's a pretty reasonable prediction of the future, though. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's he's not wrong, but I'm not proud that I read this. You know what I mean? No, no, but there is, there, <laughs> because we've read it now, but... There is that bragging rights for being one of the OG nerds in a lot of mm-hmm. fields. Yeah, so he's, in a weird way, he's not wrong, but it's not because of how good his work is right now. It's because <laughs> no. of what people do with it later. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Doctor, we, we were having a little conversation before we started. Doctor Strange's future is is uncertain. We may be cutting this title from our lineup, but we'll we'll figure that this out. For a bit. You know. we, can, we can pop back in and, uh, like, we've got it on here for quite a while. Um, yeah, I think we can definitely shorten our time with it. Yeah. But how are you guys feeling on Spider-Man? Because the the, the second half huh? of this podcast will be spider questions. Well, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> We've fallen into oh. Andy's little web trap. Um, Andy, hang on. No, 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 no. Hang on. I have a tangent first. Don't you even start, Rory. Let me talk about Spider-Man for a second. Because Please, basically what happened... Basically what happened, this isn't me talking about Spider-Man. This is me talking about Andy's boner for Spider-Man. Okay. This, okay. this is Andy going. I just want to talk about boners. <laughs> this is Andy going, hey, hey, you guys, what if we did a podcast where we read <laughs> comics? And Rory and Shane went, oh, yeah, that sounds totally fun. And Andy was like, okay, but here's 900 issues of Spider-Man. And we were like, Andy, that seems like a lot of Spider-Man. And Andy was like, no, 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 no. I promise. I promise. We will read other things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but are you so happy that you met the enforcers this week? Enforcers I cannot wait to talk about the enforcers. Let me tell you, I had a I, I had a much better time with Spider Man. I've been a little I've been a little uh, you know cold to it the first couple of weeks. Now that it has yeah. picked up a serialized story, though, it's uh, it's what I needed. It's what I needed to be more into it. I'm not yeah. saying that I'm mad that we are reading all of the Spider-Man. <laughs> just that you're like, a liar and a bad friend. Just that Andy was Andy trapped us in his web of lies. <laughs> well, you can eat my butt about that because you're gonna Your love the butt? rest of this. My spider butt. <laughs> eat my, my radioactive thorax. spider butt. You can kiss my radioactive spider butt. Uh, so, <laughs> spider butt. So so. I love the enforcers. They're my they're my favorite jobbers uh, in this whole like canon. 
because all right, I'm gonna well, let's go down the list. So we've got a we've got a leader who is immediately arrested at the end of the issue, but his name is the big man. He's, he's not very man. interesting, <laughs> and he's uh, he's small, man. so he wears padded shoulders <laughs> like Scully. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> And and the plot of whatever issue that was is that they've sort of like consolidated a bunch of the gangs in town under their rule and s- start making these like concerted efforts to fuck like simultaneously a, like do a bunch of robberies and stuff across town. And the big man is the leader. But then we have three other people. And I'm going to let you guys talk about the the last one. So I'm going to leave him for last. He's the, the most the important. One. OK, so, so the, we've got, I guess the, we've got the, the ox. ox. Yep, the ox uh, is first. Who's a strong man. He's just a strong man. Yeah, he's pretty cut and dry. He's always eating something. Now I'm actually not positive who is. I think I know who the showstopper is. <laughs> oh, you know both, who the showstopper is. I don't but... know because one of them, one of them's a normal guy <laughs> with a cowboy lasso. Okay, hang on. So yeah, yeah so let's talk about Montana. <laughs> Montana has a lasso that moves like it's alive. This is just a normal like gangster with a lasso, and that is pretty funny to me. That's why yeah. I wasn't positive because <laughs> he's like a cowboy cosplayer in the middle of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Then number one. Then the ah uh, number one. Fancy Dan. <laughs> Fancy Dan. The karate. No, like, he's a judo black belt. Judo. judo black belt. Whatever. He's a judo black and he's, belt. He's so short. <laughs> he's a he's a tiny little judo man. Fancy Dan's a very little man. He's a very pocket sized <laughs> judo man. Oh gosh. <laughs> and he really fucks up Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this issue is so fucking funny to me <laughs> fuck oh my god uh that's i mean Just there's so many incredible. wild things that happen every week on this podcast with spider-man we could we could spend the whole podcast talking only about spider-man uh the enforcers were great uh we Andy's also dream. yeah i know fuck <laughs> off uh we had uh we had the return of doc ock for uh two consecutive issues uh sort of playing into what rory was talking about that was my favorite one yeah, it's a good it's a good couple issues. Yeah, those are the only two that are heavily serialized, but it still kind of keeps up this actual narrative thread that he's actually dating Betty. That yep. um, the things that are going on are kind of existing a- across issues. It's it's not it's it's not kind of you know doing a Simpsons ending at the like it yeah. was for a little while. And it's sort of the only title. I know we're not like reading every title at the moment, but uh, outside of Fantastic Four, which I think does that a little bit, I think this is the only title where they're really playing with that, where like the stakes from last issue still just kind of carry over into this issue. And we're talking about stuff and referencing things from two months ago. And like it's it's nice. I mean, it's not it's not like what you would expect nowadays, but it's there in a way that's when you're reading Doctor Strange and everything just resets every single time. Like, it's nice. It's really yeah. nice. It felt like they took so much care with those two episodes, with those two, I'm going to call them episodes every single time, with uh, those fine. two comics. Like, the the chase scene where he and Doc Ock are, like, chasing each other through the city, mm-hmm. panel by panel was so, it, it was so engaging. And it was like yeah. it, your eye travels around the page being like, oh, look at Spider-Man. Oh, look at Doc Ock. Oh, look what they're doing. It was <laughs> it, crazy. It's cool. It's and a cool I, little and chase. I have always really liked Doc Ock's design because it's really funny to me. He's not. I'm going to I'm going to invoke this and Rory back me up or not. He gives me Baron Harkonnen vibes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's like. An angry dumpy floating, dude, a fl- floating fat man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a floating fat man, and I've always really liked his design because he's not scary. If you look at his character design, he looks like a a middle aged like 
dude who just kind of let himself go. He just also has <laughs> fucking robot arms. Unfortunately, Andy. <laughs> what? Spider-Man predates Dune by a year. Ooh, oh shit. So is he 1965 or 1963? Dune is 65. Is 65. Oh, did okay. this start in 63? So two, two years. We read 64 this year, this week. Yeah, so Spider-Man as a title started in 60... That's right, in mm, 63. Maybe 62. Here comes the Spider-Man. Yeah, 62. Nice. Uh, so yeah, Spider-Man technically, but Doc Ock I think came out in 63. It doesn't matter. It predates Dune, and that's kind of fun. We may see how it, how it ebbs and flows, because I know he gets a little bit more... He gets thicker and more, like, <laughs> less into walking. <laughs> so we have Doc Ock for a couple times. Uh, there's there's the through line with Betty. And I think we all discussed as a team, we have to we have to make a, a sort of correction from last week about Betty. Yeah, because there was at least, I think, maybe a presumption. Maybe we were in the 60s, we wouldn't make the same... Uh, reading of it, but she seems to be a working adult with a job hitting on a mm-hmm. teenager in high school, but apparently <laughs> she dropped out of high school last year to work, putting her yeah. somewhere in the 17, 18, 19 range, I would guess. Yeah, which is way more okay. Uh, I would, I would venture okay. to say incredibly Fully okay. okay. <laughs> 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 like fucking nice, Peter. Nice. So you're out, you're out of, you're out of backlog jail, Miss Betty. Yeah. Sorry, Betty. We still I like you, even you. though, you know, you've got a brother who gets into horrible gambling debts and puts your life at risk. Like, we still like you. That's fine. He dies. Yeah. So what else? What else do we have going on? We had uh, we had Doc Ock. Uh, there's a pretty wild sequence where Peter fakes photos like he, he doctors photos so that he can get money for Aunt May to have an uh, an operation because he needs a thousand dollars. I am so tired of, always this, of, the, of, the, of these money troubles because they're because they're invented. And because mm-hmm. we don't ever see them resolved or in- interacted with in any interesting way, uh, he just yeah. has a magic. He just has a magic belt that takes cool pictures for him that makes him money. <laughs> but somehow his life is still super tragic and hard, and he has no. And he still never has any money. Like I just don't care. I do, his his money woes are so uncompelling in every sense of the word. Yeah, the doctor's like, you have to pay me a thousand dollars. And we're all like, oh, no, however, will he do it? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, that must, that must be bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and meanwhile, meanwhile, we hear J. Jonah Jameson's internal monologue about how much he's ripping Peter off for the photos. And he's like, I would have charged it. I would have paid him $20,000 for these photos. And I'm like, damn, damn what? It's, cra- it's, it's wild because, <laughs> but there's no context because we don't, because there's, because there's no actual economic worth to pictures of Spider-Man for us to compare that to. Like, th- <laughs> it doesn't exist in a real model for us to be. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter. It's it's fantasy money. Uh, mm-hmm. And and also just kind of part of reality. Obviously, the boss is going to pay less than they're worth some amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know what the normal going rate is for photos. like <laughs> Of Spider-Man. You know, of Sp- <laughs> exactly. Of, of a fantasy character. <laughs> It's, it's it's very hard to engage with earnestly. They're trying to add some shit to J. Jonah Jameson as well, because we have like a whole page devoted to him at the end of one of the issues where he's like, it's kind of cool, like oddly speaking out loud, candidly to himself about the real reasons he hates Spider-Man. And it felt a little hackneyed, but I, I don't know. It's it was a little nice, but but kind of on par with as much monologuing and narrating as going on in general. Like, yeah, yeah. To be fair, it fits the tone of what we can expect from these. Like, people are constantly explaining in their inner monologue how their powers work to themselves. 
Um, yeah. Just always, always, <laughs> always. So somebody talking about their motivations is more interesting to me, the English major. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I guess to nutshell it, he's like what? He's basically like, I'm I'm a money grubbing asshole. I feel like I could never be a good man. So I sort of have to hate Spider-Man because he's proving that there are better people than me. Well, kind of. Yeah, it's like it's like it's this idea that if somebody like Spider-Man is a good person, that sort of throws a wrench in his self-image as a good person. Yeah. Hey, I'm a capitalist totally. who's constantly like on one hand, he's given a job to two teenagers who are hard up like they're both both yep. Peter and, and Betty are in pretty dire financial straits. And he gave a teenager yep. like a real professional job in both cases. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's always it's, it's always funny when we read things like this, because he's he's on one hand supposed to be the sort of bad side of capitalism. But Stan Lee has a pretty positive idea of capitalists and capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So he's not really that. He's It's not a hot takedown. No. Anything's better than Red China to Stan Lee. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> he does not care. He does not care for uh, seizing the means of production. The, the, other, the other noteworthy character that we actually meet in Spider-Man is uh, Mysterio, who is sort of a, a mainstay villain of Spider-Man's and who we just recently got to see uh, Jake Gyllenhaal play on screen. And I like Mysterio a lot. I've always really liked Mysterio. Uh, he's a little, he's a little ridiculous in this first appearance. Uh, the idea that a, a sort of former stunt, a former like special effects man can yep. like make it work in the real world somehow as a real superhero. Yeah. As a, as a super villain, like yeah. special effects are designed for a camera. Like it's not, you don't, like it's not that's not how special effects work. I don't know. It's definitely kid kid logic. The it's idea that you logic. could like do special effects in real life and have it fool people. That he can do all of the stuff that happens in movies and just do it in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but it came up with it came with some some fun some fun stuff where he was impersonating Spider-Man at the beginning and Peter's like seeing himself robbing people on the news and being like Oh shit! Well, that's not me. I guess the only os- only possible explanation is that I'm Jekyll and hiding in my sleep. <laughs> yeah, and he blames it on he blames it on having to like live a second life, right? Like, and that's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. Like that's like that's actually a psychosis that happens to yeah. people who you know have to live dual lives like that. Like that's crazy. Yeah, and you know they don't they don't engage too hard with it because again we're still in 1964 yeah. we got a lot of room to They're grow but like it. but it's nice it it's definitely nice it's way nicer than money money problems uh-huh and <laughs> there is a part they, like, their climactic fight in that issue takes place in a movie studio and he's like going through a bunch of different sets and uh and there's a one of the quips that Spider-Man yells out as he's like flying through goes he's like I know I'm not a member of Actors Equity but I don't have time to get a union card. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was it's like pretty ooh, silly. Ooh, ooh, name dropping my union. <laughs> <laughs> um I was going to say I was surprised kind of how much of Mysterio's caricaturization has was in this first issue like mm. that that like compared to um you know if we were to compare the most recent marvel movie with you know whatever character right. to the first issue they appeared in it's i would say almost nothing besides the plot is kind of the same peter yeah. has lost all of his weird school shooter energy um <laughs> by the time he gets to the, we get to the movies yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and so i guess it is nice to have mysterio kind of jump off the page 
Yeah, he feels he feels a lot like the Jake Gyllenhaal characterization we saw a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Totally willing to fuck with Spider-Man. Uh, always trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, acting the hero. I don't know. It's 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 very good. I also love his fucking costume design. I remember I had a I had like some Marvel trading cards when I was really little. I bought a few from like a, a comic book store, and one of them was a Mysterio card. And I'd always look at that fucking fishbowl head and be like, "What that? What's going on with this guy? What is that?" Speaking of uh, something that I thought was funny because it went from cool to really dumb, uh, Electro. Oh, uh, Electro's yeah. costume is awful, but we see <laughs> him before putting on the silly green and yellow like thundercloud costume. <laughs> oh, uh, God. He's like covering himself. He's he's clipped coat hangers and covering himself in metal wiring so that he can mm. conduct electricity. And it mm-hmm. looks kind of baller. I thought it yeah. looked really cool. Yeah, I remember that, too. It's like one or two panels of that, right? It's just like, a couple really panels. Short. Yeah. B- before we walk out of Spider-Man. <laughs> I need to one more Stan Lee note that I need to read because this is so funny <laughs> to me. It feels like a real dunk. Uh, just for context, all of this is in the same text box. So it's not like the thing that I say at the end is a separate note. This is all in the same thing. It says, none but Stan Lee could have written this epic tale. None but Steve Ditko could have drawn such gripping scenes. Lettered by S. Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I get it. You don't necessarily need to praise the letterer, but, like, put that note somewhere else. Don't make it seem like a fucking dunk at the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lettered by S. Rosen. Letterers are a dime a dozen. I'll replace you tomorrow. (laughs) They're just Sharpie sharpie jockeys. Sharpie jockeys. I love that. (laughs) So, Shane... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've started a tradition three weeks in. Uh, <laughs> do you have a fuck Mary kill for us? Oh, oh, Andy, you <laughs> sweet, you, you sweet, you activated sweet. my trap card. <laughs> <laughs> you sweet, sweet spider boy. You fall into uh, my web this time because <laughs> they're all fancy Dan. They <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck fancy Dan. They can't Mary. all be fancy, fancy Dan. Dan. Okay. Um, okay. So I thought I, you know, listen. Obviously, it's the enforcers. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. It's obviously the enforcers. So fancy Dan, the Ox of Montana. Yeah, but we have a problem because they also have the big man, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. There's, there's four. So there's yeah. four of them. Okay. okay. Is there a th- is there a quality we could add really quick? Fuck Mary so, Kill. I don't know. I, I, handshake. I, I think you have. <laughs> Handshake. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a quality. I think. I think maybe right. we'll cut Big Man because he's trash, right? Okay. Well, but okay. Sure. But like. But like, where is he, where is he big though? That seems important and pertinent. You know oh, what I mean? Is important. But that's why you have the <laughs> yeah. ox. Because everything we've seen about him is small. So you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's only leaving one quality. <laughs> it could be big. <laughs> Read between the lines, Shane. Okay, we'll, we'll cut the big okay. man out. We got the okay, Ox, cup, cup, Fancy cup, Dan, yeah. and Montana. Yep. Ox, Fancy Dan, and Montana. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I think I gotta fuck Montana, man. I love this this I love this dude in a suit and a and he's this rope. This and he's into rope play. That's yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's that's for me. Um, okay. Okay. Right? And I think I think you marry I think you marry Fancy Dan. Yeah. <gasps> I know. I okay. disagree. I, th- I think you marry. I think you marry the ox. You marry the ox. I, yeah, I think you marry I the ox. I could see it. 
I was thinking the judo would come in handy, like just day to day, if to I protect want, you know, me, to protect, to protect our household me. from intruders. But so imagine this. Imagine imagine this. You guys will have well versed knowledge in this. The ox is very similar to Toru, right? Mm. Similar to Toru. So Toru you marry t- from Jackie Chan Adventures. You marry Toru, right? You do marry Toru. You for do sure. marry Toru. Yeah. All right, I'm convinced. I'll marry the ox, and I guess we'll kill Fancy Dan. We kill Fancy Dan because no. no one can be fancier than me. No, you, uh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <80's>, 80's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining Shane like he's he's making these decisions and he's like giving the handing the rose and he goes towards Fancy Dan and then gives it to Montana at the last second and then pulls out a gun and goes Fancy Dan <laughs> you encroached on my fancy territory for the final time and then you just blast him between the eyes. Just blow him away. <laughs> blow him away. Do you have do you have a different do you have a different one, Andy? Yeah, I'd fuck Fancy Dan and kill Montana. I'm okay. not into cowboys. I, I just gotta say it. <laughs> I'm not into cowboys. It doesn't do it for me. The judo, I bet he can put some, I bet he can put me in a real stranglehold. You know what I'm talking about? So it's true. Who, who needs ropes when your whole body's a rope? <laughs> oh my God. Hey, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> has been the infinite backlog <laughs> by the fury of the ageless Vishanti by the 12 moons of Munapur what a savings or wait no that's the galaxy quest <laughs> thanks for listening thanks for listening 